and welcome to another podcast of Father and Joe. I am Joe Rocky here with Father Boniface Hicks. And we last, our last podcast, we had a discussion about angels, the communion of saints, and basically how to develop that skill to become closer to God. So, continuing along that line of conversation comes to the way that that I see it in the church, which is the presentation of adoration. And basically my question is, how does that work? How should we treat that? Because that's when, unless I'm mixing up my words here, that's when you're trying to develop as close and intimate a relationship with God as you can. And how should we address that going from the nine-year-old perspective to now as adults? And just to make sure that we're talking about the same thing, you're uh, referring to the practice of Eucharistic adoration? Yes, yes. Yeah. So. Actually, are there more? Because yeah. I didn't even know there was more. Yeah, no, I just. The word adoration has a variety of meanings, but usually it's used in reference to Eucharistic adoration. So I, I just uh, wanted to make sure that I was uh, speaking about the right thing. Um, yeah, we, we have this basic logical conclusion in the church that as we've talked about in a previous episode the mass is the highest form of prayer and it is the representation of the the sacrifice of Christ so what he offered on Calvary and you and I were not there Joe uh, <laughs> is in order that we have the chance to be there he instituted this ongoing reality that Calvary becomes present. So it's not that he's dying again or that he's being killed again, but rather that we are mystically being transported, we could say, to his presence. And as he said in the, the Gospel of Matthew, I will be with you always until the end of time. And so the apostles don't have an advantage over us that they got to hold his hand and they got to walk with him and they got to hear his voice because he also leaves that same bodily presence with us in the Eucharist. Mm -hmm. uh, this is an amazing miracle. And in some ways, we have the advantage over the apostles because of this, because we can have him close to us in all of our churches, and he's with us day and night, and we can spend more time with him. They got to be with him for a couple of years. We, we can be with him our whole lives. So, but what we see is bread, what is truly there is Jesus Christ. What they saw was a human being. What is truly there was God. So they didn't actually see God any more than we see God, but they at least saw a human face, and we see uh, uh, what appears to be bread. But the substance is God for us just as much as it was for them. But he has this bodily presence with us. And so then we just have this kind of natural conclusion, well, if that's really Jesus, then why don't we adore him and spend time with him? We reserve the Blessed Sacrament in the tabernacle in our churches. That's the real presence of Christ. Then we can be close to God in this sacramental way. And so why wouldn't we spend time with him and even exalt him through this practice of Eucharistic adoration? We put him in a usually a gold container called a monstrance so that 
he's behind glass and we can appear, we can see him and be close to him, even draw physically close to him perhaps. When Pope Francis was in Fatima on May 13, 2017, the 100th anniversary of the revelations and of the apparitions in Fatima, he brought Jesus in the monstrance close to the sick that were gathered there at the Mass. He walked right up to them and blessed them with, with Jesus, with the Blessed Sacrament in the monstrance, to help them experience that God really comes close to us in his body. This bodily presence really comes close to us. So it's really a wonderful reality. As you can see, I could just talk on and on about this, and the Church has talked on and on about this. But uh, Eucharistic adoration is a powerful way to draw close to God because we, he's really there in his body, we're really there in our bodies, and there's a, a, a grace that's there. There's something very beautiful that opens up in that encounter. And, and those who have spent time in Eucharistic adoration know exactly what I'm talking about. It's, it's a little bit hard to describe in the abstract, mm -hmm. but when we go, we know that Jesus is really there, and we can speak to him, he sees us, and he's close to us. And something really beautiful can develop from that. So, two follow-up questions to that. The first is, why don't we do it always? Because, you know, the, the tabernacle gets closed, um, you know, and, and, and he kind of gets put away there. So, the, so that's the first question, is, is why isn't it always? And, and second is, is that should this be something that you do extra preparation for? Okay, great. Uh, well, the practice of Eucharistic adoration, actually taking the host out of the tabernacle and placing it in the monstrance, we use incense and we often sing a little bit, and uh, that practice actually developed about a thousand years ago. So about a thousand years into the church, we took this extra step of saying, okay, why don't we bring the host out of the tabernacle and allow our the people to see him. Uh, so that developed in uh, actually about the time of St. Francis, whom you mentioned a little earlier, uh, and actually through uh, St. Clair, the uh, original female follower of St. Francis, is often depicted with a monstrance. And in the case of the poor Clares, and in the case of a number of places in our church, there are several places in the Diocese of Pittsburgh, just as a local example, where they have something called a perpetual adoration chapel. So they literally do what you said, Joe. They have adoration all the time. Mm -hmm. Now, uh, Eucharistic adoration is uh, a liturgy. It's, it's a particular rite in the church. And really what we're doing when we have Eucharistic adoration all the time is that we're carrying on this liturgy together throughout time. So we never leave Jesus alone because we're carrying out this liturgy. I, maybe I, I participate in this liturgy for an hour of adoring him, being with him, and then somebody takes over for me and the liturgy is extended through the next person. And then someone takes over for them and the liturgy is extended through the next person. And so the requirement of the church is that whenever we expose the Eucharist, it's always a liturgical gesture. And so we need a person there to continue the liturgy. So could we do this in every church? Well, we could do this in every church if we were able to sustain that liturgy all day and all night 
by always having somebody there with him in every church. So, and that has happened in different places. When they prepared for John Paul II to come to the Philippines, the diocese that he came in had perpetual adoration in every parish preparing for the coming of, of World Youth Day in 1995. Uh, so that's happened in some different places, and like I say, there are usually some adoration chapels in each diocese where it's taking place. Uh, but Jesus is always there in the tabernacle, so there's nothing. The, the more ancient practice in the church, older than a thousand years, is that people would make a visit, or people would spend time in the church before the tabernacle. He's still there, we just don't see him, and it's not a liturgical celebration, it's, it's Jesus. And we know that he's inside the tabernacle. We don't really need to see him. In fact, there's not much to see. It looks like bread. Our eyes deceive us. We really need to see deeper into the reality of the presence of God anyway. But the practice of adoration in the tabernacle is a, it's a very beautiful practice and also helps to bring us closer to Jesus. And then your second question about uh, any special preparation is a, a good question. It's prayer. So the one thing about prayer is that the more concrete we can make it, the more explicit we can make it, the better off we'll be. And that is to say, the more that we can remind ourselves, that's really Jesus. So how do I behave in the presence of somebody who's very important? If I went to see the Pope or I went to see the bishop, what kind of behavior would I have? Would I be really casual? Would I be reverent and appreciative so it's good for us to make it explicit at the same time it's Jesus who loves us more than our own parents do and so when we draw close to him we also draw close to somebody who loves us and we don't have to be sort of fearful that we're going to be judged or condemned or something like that so just the more explicit that we can make it that we're really entering into the presence of God that's good for us every time we come into church Whenever we come into church, we look for the tabernacle because that's where the real presence of Jesus is, and we genuflect. And we should do that as intentionally as possible. I'm really showing homage, reverence for the living God who is there in the tabernacle, who is in my presence. So just the more explicit we can make it, the better off we are. And then, um, you know, bringing something to, to pray, the scriptures to guide us, God speaks to us in the scriptures, and so it's nice to have the voice of God together with the presence, the body of God. Um, so we might have some other things, some topics we want to pray through. I remember when I first started going to adoration, I used to make a list of things that I needed to hash out with Jesus. You know, I, I had some issues that came up, some struggles that I had, some questions, and I'd just kind of make those into a list. And then when I came before him in Eucharistic adoration, I'd start going through my list and talk to him about those different subjects. So a lot of different ways that we can prepare. But I think the most important thing is that we just make it as explicit, as concrete as possible. This is really God. This is a real person that we have a real relationship with that we can really speak to and that we can also listen to. Okay. So um, so actually you just, just led into a question I was going to ask there anyway. Is it a different type of, of kind of conversation with God that compared to when you just arrive for your prayer before Mass or after you receive communion, or is it the same conversation you want to have with them, whatever you're feeling at the time? 
Well, yeah, normally we, we go to Eucharistic adoration with the intention of staying there for a period of time. It tends to be a more extended prayer. It tends to be a, also a more silent prayer. But it's, it's prayer, certainly. It's the same Jesus. It's not a different Jesus. Mm -hmm. And so we speak to him the same way that we speak to him at any other time. But, yeah, if we can allow the concrete reality of his presence to inspire in us a little bit more attention and devotion, yeah, that's even better. But, uh, no, it's the same Jesus. And the, so the way that we speak to him normally, we should also speak to him at that time. And we should speak to him at other times as well. When we come to church before Mass to pray, he's still there in the tabernacle, first of all. But, um, yeah, we're still speaking to God. So we speak to him the same way. Well, that, that makes a, a whole lot of sense. Aaron. Yeah, that was just, like I said, going through the couple of podcasts we do about the angels and the saints about how you can't really see their bodies about how to go through it and and, um, and with them being the helpers of God and that's just kind of where led all that conversation too so one of the things that I've tried to do here is kind of make it how it applies to real life and what I've seen and this might be a tangent so I apologize if it is but in my everyday life I'm going out to a lot of different strangers houses to meet them typically with the purpose of trying to buy their house and one thing I've noticed in my direct life is you can just kind of tell and feel the people who have created some type of relationship with God now it might not hmm. be through one particular you know, sect. It, it might be Protestant, it might be Methodist, or, or whatever. It might be Catholic, or whatever. I've never really asked them what. But the point is, is, is you can just kind of tell and feel it. And literally see it sometimes. I mean, yeah, I mean, there's the obvious. They got some paintings, or a crucifix, or a statue, or whatever. But I mean just from... Well, the, what I'm there for specifically is, as I tell everyone, I'm not here to look at the contents of your house. I'm here to check out the upkeep and structuralness of it. And even if it's in the wealthiest neighborhood in the world or the poorest ones, you can tell a tangible difference between those who develop that relationship or are trying to versus those who don't care and or try and there's just a lot of tangible things that come out through this experience of it and um, I just wanted to make that aside there since we just did, did this conversation on adoration which is God in front of you for prayer but just the, the, the seeing it you know the people who are who tend to have that tangible relationship you know they, they tend to be happier they tend to have, in general, better upkeep of their houses, and mm. and they. One definite visible thing is they keep their houses brighter. Sometimes mm. it's through coloring, uh, of the walls, the, the the painting, or correction, the color of the walls they pick, the color of the carpets they pick, but they don't black out their windows. You know, mm. they're they're not trying to, to, to hide, if you will, and. Um, I might be totally wrong in, in this assessment, but this is what I've observed since doing this podcast, however months ago we started, and applying to my life, and 
and just kind of felt like this was a time to make that observation and kind of see if it's just pure coincidence or if there's something to it and since we had a couple minutes at the end of this cast I wanted to throw it out there I love that yeah thanks for bringing that out I think that's a really valuable insight and I think it ties in well with uh, the impact of invisible realities so just like with our relationship with the angels and the saints or when we're in the presence of the Eucharist there's something that's different and it comes through in different ways and it's not it doesn't smack us in the face usually it's a little bit subtle but it's real and we see that and that comes out in people's lives when they're praying and I think that places also soak up prayer I've been to uh, churches and monasteries where there's been a lot of prayer for a long time you can feel it there's something about the place itself that kind of takes on the the prayer of the people who live there and I've, I've had experiences with houses like that too and we know the opposite is also true I mean people still call up dioceses regularly because there's problems in their houses evil spirits when we commit a lot of sin we invite evil spirits into different places and so um, yeah, I think it's a great observation I really appreciate you making that Joe it does make a difference. How measurable is that difference? Can we reduce it to, you know, measuring someone's heart rate or uh, measuring someone's pupils in their eyes? Or, you know, is there, oh, I don't know. I, probably there is even a little bit of that, but, but there's a, a reality that we do pick up. And I think it's important to acknowledge that. That's a reality that all of us want in our lives. A little more order, a little more peace, a little more uh, conscientious upkeep of things. Uh, a little more happiness comes from our relationship with God. Yeah, that that little list of words you just gave right there seems to be the one that that I get the most, uh, or the feelings that, that you get from it. Um, and, and actually, as you said that, that, that kind of makes me think about this a little bit more, about the places soaking up. The places that you most starkly notice the positive side of it are typically the estate houses. After... Hmm they've passed away and it's their children showing me it and um, you see it both sides but particularly on the positive side where it's just um, almost like a reverence they had as, as doing it. Yeah, they understand the reality that, that they themselves are not going to move in, into their mom's old house and they need to sell it or whatever so there's a tangible reality of why I'm there but you can just see the, the, the care that was there and on the other side, it tends to be people trying to run away from the situation they're in. And that, that's just uh, just where we're at. Yeah, I think those are great observations, Joe. Again, I don't know if we can reduce that to some kind of scientific study or some particular measurement, but, but there's something real there. It really makes a concrete difference on a place, on a person, when we have a relationship with God, when we pray. Yeah, yeah, and like I said, it, like I said, that might be a complete tangent, complete aside, but with the conversation about adoration, I felt like it was a a, a fitting spot there. And uh, I'd like to thank everyone out there for listening to our podcast here today. Hopefully, this does help you in your everyday lives, and maybe you guys will see it yourselves in in your own houses or, or in your travels of everyday life. And the one thing we ask is, as you all have been doing, is Please continue to subscribe to the podcast and 
and to let your friends and family know about it. That's how we grow, and we definitely have helped. And uh, thank you guys for uh, for your continuing support out there. Hope you guys have a great week, and we will talk to you then.